0: Hey, everybody, it's Sarah from Another Mother Runner. Just want to let you know that this summer we are hard at work on our third book. So today's episode has previously aired. But never fear, we'll be back next week with a fresh podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Another Mother Runner. This is
1: Sarah here in Portland. Uh, and this is Dimity hanging out in Denver. I'm dealing with some roid rage right now.
0: <laughs> what, you're dr- you're driving? No? What? <laughs> exactly.
1: No, I'm on steroids actually. <laughs> no, um, you know, so so I know everyone's on the edge of their seat wanting to know about my fibroid, um, the latest the latest as the world turns about my fibroid episode. Um, and I'm heading in today is Tuesday afternoon, I'm heading in Thursday morning to do this process where they are gonna go in with um uh, a catheter, like, so it's minimally invasive and cut off uh, the blood supply to the sucker, mm-hmm. which I mean, literally the
0: blood sucker. There's only one um, of, there's, there's, I thought there was more than one. There was supposed to be, well,
1: so last time we alluded to the plum size, right? You yes, that I did. In, I, did. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah. mm, TMI, TMI, but now that I'm a little bit better about it. Um, so originally I thought that I had three plum size fibroids. It turns out that no, I actually have like a cantaloupe size one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I didn't share this information with you. So this is all, uh, you know, live, live audience. Um, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, it's my, you know, if if I had to go through any of this, it's my greatest hope that That is what's pushing on my back, which is pushing on my hamstring and everything. The only thing is it's on the wrong side, Mm. but maybe there's a nerve that crisscrosses the body. You never know. Yeah, it's like Um, the
0: brain. You know how the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body. Exactly, exactly. Maybe
1: it's pushing the old uterus over. Right. Who knows? But um, but yeah, so, you know, the most, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, I mean, I listened to our podcast about beginners and. And I and I put this on the post, but I mean the hardest thing is that I know that I'm going to go back in the hole again, and that's that I think is the hardest thing for me personally is just because I hate, I hate you just hate feeling so crappy, you know. Mm -hmm. But I know in the scheme of things, I mean I don't have a chronic disease. I don't have anything and I'll be better, you know, within mm-hmm. a couple weeks. So mm-hmm. just ready for the, for the days of our lives to be over, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So well,
1: um, as, as you are probably having no. to share hotel rooms with me <laughs> everywhere, right? <laughs> well, I like in a... the bathroom, Sarah. I read it. I need it right now.
0: <laughs> Stop making me laugh so much. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, then it's, it's fitting that we have the guests that we do today.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to her. She's um, She's been a great uh, uh, contributor to our um, Facebook page, right? I mean, she chimes in, I want to say at least once or twice a week. She's an OBGYN in Michigan and um, always has really sound, smart advice, but also it has that kind of another mother runner flair to it where she, you know, she knows that our lives are busy and she knows that, you know, we don't have time to do, you know spend 10 minutes doing kegels, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And now we're going to bring on our guest, Dr. Amanda Hurtabees, who is an OBGYN in practice in Port Huron, Michigan. And she's the mom of three kids uh, ranging in age from 11 down to seven. And um, we found Amanda, um, she insisted we call her Amanda, and we're pleased about that since I stumble over her last name, that um, we found Amanda on our Facebook page, Run Like a Mother of the Book. And and Amanda, we are so grateful you could be here, and we also appreciate your input on Facebook. So thanks a ton for talking with us.
2: Oh, I'm thrilled to be here and really enjoy following you guys and the book as well.
0: Oh, thanks. Thanks. So you had the clever idea while we were chit-chatting beforehand that... um, Originally, when we thought about having you on, I'd only thought about topics of running and pregnancy and then realized that there's all sorts of other issues. And you came up with the clever uh, th- that we should call this the fallout of running. So I like that. <laughs>
1: exactly. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, back in the day, right before before, um, you know, women were allowed to run marathons. It was because the rationale was that their uterus was going to fall out. Right. We right, remember reading is- that
2: usually it doesn't. So that's, you know,
1: that <laughs> you usually don't point. find uteruses on the road as roadkill.
2: <laughs> not, yeah, no, not, not that anybody's willing to claim at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and also, you know, cause liners and shorts and skirts, they're good at holding those parts in. So.
2: <laughs> they hold them in when they, when
0: you need them, right? Exactly. Um, which I guess sort of leads us in, uh, it leads us actually into two questions that we had, um, both of which I picked up off a of Twitter when I tweeted to people about asking questions, um, um, and that if um, one woman—and we shouldn't be laughing about this—woman um, from a mom from Oklahoma writes in, and she was saying that um, that she's a couple of years post delivery. She had a hard labor, too much pushing for too long, and she says she's now has a has minor vaginal prolapse. And she asks, "How should I deal with it? Will it get worse? Beginning to notice it more during runs and during
2: intimacy." So okay, um, well, I think this is actually a, a really common concern for many women and one that we don't necessarily talk about very much outside of the doctor's office, but certainly vaginal delivery stretches things out and allows for some relaxation of the pelvic floor musculature, some of which can be redeveloped with strengthening and time. um, And some of which can't, unfortunately, um, strengthening just to just to clarify amanda i mean are we talking
1: kegels or pilates or I mean, what do you when you when you talk about strengthening what what do you usually tell your patients to do
2: yeah all of the above sarah um from the the beginning postpartum of just simply getting back into shape re um gaining some of that tone both of the abdominal muscles and as well as the pelvic floor and oftentimes that is just you know kind of tighten things up or kegeling. Now a sidebar on kegeling, you can squeeze your butt cheeks together until the cows come home. And your butt's gonna look I'm not great. sure I can actually, but well, but you can try and your butt may look great, but that's not actually targeting those pelvic floor muscles. So at about the six week postpartum visit and then on beyond, I counsel women in a really simple technique and that's Every time you empty your bladder on purpose, so you're going to the bathroom, try to start and stop your stream of urine. That little muscle that you need to to tighten in order to stop that stream of urine is very important because that's that muscle that you'd like to really be able to tighten when you laugh, Mm -hmm. when you sneeze, when you stumble when you're running. It only needs to work for a couple of seconds. So and it's by, not
1: even stumbling when you're running. We've heard from a lot of women. It's just running yeah. in general. Just,
2: yes, just footfall in general. But by practicing that little technique in your your mind-body connection, you can sort of figure, okay, here's the muscles that I need to be using. And also get some feedback that you're doing it correctly. Now immediately after delivery, or if your pelvic floor is very out of shape, you're not going to be able to do that. But you want to try. And then when you are able to stop that stream of urine, then try to hold it for a couple of seconds. So in women, both postpartum and at any point, several years down the road, that is a really great strengthening exercise. But you also want to tone and strengthen those abdominal core muscles as well. And Pilates is great for that.
1: And so this woman um, in, uh, in Oklahoma, will, will her vaginal prolapse get worse with running? I mean, I think that that's a fear of a lot of
2: mm-hmm. mother
1: runners is that they're doing more damage, you know, after they've given birth. I mean, if she gets strong um, in as many ways as she can, is she going to – will her downward spiral still happen? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Well, I haven't – figured out nor i don't think anybody has figured out how to counteract gravity but what she (laughs) you haven't you mean you're not
1: an Obdyn and
2: einstein why do we have her on oh my gosh (laughs) it's hard Um, but what she can do is halt the progress um probably where she's at as far as the prolapse likely is going to stay that way, but it doesn't necessarily have to get significantly worse with time. Again, with some core strengthening, there's a lot of other things that play into prolapse too, as far as genetics, tissue quality. You know, if your mom had a hysterectomy at age 40 for prolapse, you're probably at a higher risk than, than somebody else, but it doesn't have to necessarily get better and certainly isn't a reason to stop running. Stop running. Um, I, it is not a reason to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And and sort of what we... I can see.
2: share a little a tip for women who have some mild prolapse that other running moms and exercising moms have shared with me, and that's simply placing a tampon while you're running. Even if you're not on your period, oftentimes that, that pressure can kind of hold things up and in. Hmm.
0: So well, something that point.
2: I had some success with
0: right that's great and one thing we talked that you've sort of touched upon um in that answer was about uh, urinary incontinence. And I, you know, I mean, we sort of laughed about it a little bit, but there is, gosh, I just t- can't tell you how many moms I talked to, new moms mm-hmm. in particular, who just talk about, you know, oh, they just, you know, soak through their tights and things like that. And dribble just,
1: and dribble. That's why we love black right. capris. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Anything yeah. Anything that hides bodily fluids.
2: <laughs> right. And there is a couple things that play into that. One is the, the physical pounding of running that just that pressure on the bladder overcomes the ability of the urethra, which is the connection from the bladder to the outside world, that little muscle, to be able to hold it closed. So that strengthening exercise we talked about can help. If a woman has progressed to more actual prolapse, meaning the bladder tissue is protruding down into the vagina, that makes it a little bit more difficult. You can't Strengthen that back up where it, it mm. should be. Mm-hmm. And then finally, of course, we're all really trying to hydrate. So our bladders, oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little more fluid on board when you're running. That can play into it. Um, and also, just that your exertion, your physical distribution of calories and energy is in other muscles, um, your legs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Your lungs your heart, and maybe not necessarily, again, that really special muscle there at your <laughs> urethra. So when women are really exerting themselves, it, your body redistributes that energy other places and not necessarily holding your bladder closed.
0: Is that then, then uh, okay, this is a little bit of another sidebar, but is that then the reason why even if I pee right before I leave the house, within 10 minutes, I c- I can st- I still feel like I have to pee again? Or is that just... Just that, just you being bum, neurotic, bum luck. Yeah, um, no, I'm.
2: I mean, we hear it from other people. It's not just me, Dimity, Really, right, right, right. You're, yeah. It's definitely not just you. And um, I think that it does have to do with some redistribution of energy mm-hmm. um, to other places. You know, you can only do so much. And again, just the downward pressure of the pounding of the running of the gravity mm-hmm. down on the bladder, and that starts right away. Right. Um, for some women, it can cause it can cause bladder spasms, mm-hmm. which gives that sensation that oh my gosh, I have to pee right now because that muscle is spasming, mm-hmm. not necessarily because the bladder itself is full. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can be a mind over matter type of a thing. Right. Just I, running through it, talking yourself down. I love nothing.
0: I, just, I love nothing more than when on a long run, when I'm like, I'll be thinking for like forty five minutes, I gotta pee, I gotta pee, and then I'll stop, and I'm like, oh thank goodness, I really did have to pee. I am vindicated. Right, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Right, right, right. I went on a long run, a uh, twenty miler, a couple weeks ago, and stopped to pee twice because it was so cold out that I wasn't sweating as much as normal. So, right. Um, right. so I was, I was, I had that vindication twice. It was very rewarding. Um, well, And so,
1: Amanda, this is kind of a just a just a specific particular and I don't know if you can even answer it, but I'm just curious, like, am I running the whole time, like kind of feeling like I'm doing a kegel the whole time? Or is it more like an unconscious thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, do I need to consciously say, okay, I'm, I'm stopping my urine stream? You know, do you, do you get what I'm no, saying? Like, you're contracting no. that muscle during your whole run or what?
2: No, I would I definitely wouldn't because then it's gonna be tired out and when you need it, you know. Yeah. No <laughs> uh, but it is nice to know is that if you do, you know, feel like your bladder is full and you are holding it, that the strength of that pelvic floor is gonna be there for you. You actually wanna practice this type of thing when you're not exerting in other ways. So when we're, you know, You could be doing it it right now. So it just kicks in. It kicks in um, unconsciously. Just like any other strength training that you do, you are doing strength training to help you later when you run. This is the same thing you want to practice when you're going to the bathroom, practice when you're sitting at your desk so that then when you need it with a full bladder or again, just those daily things, coughing, laughing, lifting, the tone, the strength is better. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got I to say. So, I am... I, so
1: at your at your desk, I can see you say you're going to be sitting on your fit ball. You're going to be rolling your foot on your plantar yes. fasciitis thing. And you're going to be doing your kegels, right? It's mm-hmm. so, it's so and true. And they
0: say we can't multitask. Come on. <laughs> and we wonder why Jack loves me so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I just got to say, Amanda, I, listening to you talk, I am just so happy we have you on here. I mean, you are just explaining stuff in ways that I never thought. and just, in, in just the, you know, the AMR way. So thank you
2: yeah, very much. Absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Well, this so is, you know, like- welcome to my world. This is, this is what I talk about all day long. And, you know, my husband, we go out to dinner with friends and he's like, there's not going to be any vagina talk. <laughs> you know? like, are you okay No, it's Okay. That? Oh, that's
1: so funny. Well, another big thing that comes up a lot on Another Mother Runner, and we actually have a fun section in, um, in Train Like a Mother about um, going commando. It's a big debate, you know, not as heated as abortion or, you know, euthanasia or anything like that, but just a fun kind
0: of, are you right. on this side or are but you on that side? people
2: have very, yeah, people feel strongly about that.
0: Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences, and now on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, And each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email, or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely, hardcover, keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com slash
2: AMR. Um, I was following the TMI feed today about uh, waxing, the shaving, mm-hmm. the all-natural. It cracked me up. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, so, so as, a, as a doctor, where do you come down on the commando side? Is it good, is it bad, or does it not matter?
2: Okay, I would say in general – It does not matter what I can tell you. And I actually do sort of, I guess, if you could say, feel passionately, I do have actually strong feelings though, um, based on experience, um, not personally, but in the office about how you take care of things down there again, that came up in a, in a TMI today. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really recommend against shaving. Um, so if you're going to go commando or not, Do not shave down there. Um, It causes little micro abrasions, little cuts in the skin that then are a window to infection, whether, again, what, you know, regardless of what you're wearing. And I've actually seen women get um, infections down below from that. So shaving, laser, clippers, um, but no, um, sorry, I should say waxing, waxing. Um, laser or clippers, but not shaving.
1: And do you mean even shaving? I mean, okay, this is TMI, but I mean, I shave like the, like kind of my groin area. I mean, not directly, you know, and on my vagina, but I mean, you know, like yeah. when I'm like wearing a bikini, I mean, is that okay in between like my legs and my...
2: That's actually, I would say, no, I would, especially again, in a woman who's running because, you know, your clothes are up against there because it's just not a clean area. Okay. All right. All
1: right. That's good to know.
2: Yeah. Even in the most hygienic person, you're taking that razor and you're reaching way down under there and you're pulling it up and you're reaching way down under there and you're pulling up. (laughs) So you're spreading any and all bacteria. All over your skin, and let's face it, we don't use a new razor every single time. It might be oh, you, you don't. Harsh <laughs> <Thank out>. you. <laughs> we're
0: we're made of money. We we just throw them around. Razors.
2: Right, right. And so, um, I I actually see women get infections there. So again, okay. Um, now
1: that's a really good. That's a really. I learned something today. Thank you.
2: Right. So I don't think that it's necessarily. Are you wearing underwear or not? Are you uh-huh. you know. Whatever under your skirt, there. The more important thing is how have you taken care of what's going on there as to whether it's going to be a problem. So, but okay.
0: but then running um, for those women who do the horror mm-hmm. of it wear underwear while they exercise, so they're not gonna get more yeast infections or or things like that. I think maybe. I don't.
2: No, I don't think so. Um, I think it's important to get cleaned up and dried off as quickly as possible. Don't sit around in your wet underwear covered by your wet shorts covered by your sweatpants that you just put on because now you're chilly. It's a good good look. You don't think so? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it may be a great look, but maybe not necessarily the most hygienic. Uh So you want to have the area as clean and dry as possible as soon as possible. Um, That's what's going to prevent your yeast infections, your chafing, your skin irritation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Um, and, uh, so, um, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about, um, uh, I guess, well, we've had a a couple of things come up. I mean, pregnancy and pregnancy is obviously such a huge topic, but, um, what, what are your thoughts about running while trying to get pregnant? Um, we've had a couple of questions, like, especially training for a more intense race, like a half marathon or a full marathon, which obviously puts some pretty serious demands on your body. Um, is that, is that uh, what do you think that's not a great idea or what, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, the medical literature would certainly tell us that being very physically active while attempting to get pregnant is very healthy. Um, we don't recommend against it. But there does come a point in time where, um, especially these women who are really training very heavily, that it can affect your fertility. Fertility is. Um, fertility is uh, developed over time. What should we say? What's the word? Evolutionary. And when a woman, when your body presumes that it is so stressed, that it's um, nutritional status, that it's exertional status is being pushed beyond the limits, it does not want you to get pregnant. Okay. So if you think back to... 10,000 years ago, when you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger across the African savanna, not best for you to be getting pregnant. So stress, again, nutritional, exertional stress, your body says, hold on, not a great time to be getting pregnant. And that's translated into not ovulating. Okay, so you're not ovulating because there is too much physical stress, so therefore you're not getting pregnant. And we have this really great flag system for knowing when you're not ovulating, and that's that your periods stop or your periods become irregular, you skip. Um, So in a woman who is training and is having regular, appropriately timed periods with a little bit of leeway of maybe a week or two in one direction or the other, that's a good indication that you're ovulating and therefore can get pregnant. If you have trained now to a point where your periods have stopped or you're skipping several months in a row, you're less likely to get pregnant. You're not, there's, you're not ovulating. So that's a really good way for women to start. Am I doing too much? Am I doing okay? Is what are your periods like?
1: Well, and one thing, and maybe this might be kind of out of the realm, maybe we're talking more about um, a psychologist now or psychiatrist. But I mean, I think one (laughs) thing is that runners are so driven, are pretty driven people. And especially if you are Mm -hmm. at that edge, you know, where you are, you know, missing your period or it's not coming all the time. And you really want to run that race. I mean, do you have any um, thoughts on how to kind of talk yourself down a little bit and, and try and get some more perspective on saying, OK, it's OK if I take, you know, six months off and gain a little weight and let my body kind of come back into health a little bit so that I can try and have a baby? You know, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of women that that get really obsessed with running and it's hard to it's hard to take a step back. Mm-hmm.
2: I would agree. I'm not sure that I have a great way to counsel on that, but I do find it interesting that many women who are focused on their exercise and their training, when the time comes, become equally as focused on getting pregnant. Okay, this is you know this is my goal in one year's time. I want to be pregnant, and so oftentimes (laughs) you you know what I mean. We're all about setting goals. Yeah, no, I get it. You know what? You put it out there, and
1: you're going to get it done. That's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Right,
2: and so just shifting focus and saying that okay right now you're sitting here talking to me you're running your exercise is very important but you're also here right now at this doctor's appointment saying I want to get pregnant so we're going to have to shift the focus a little bit and many times it doesn't in their in their mind they think well I can't run at all Mm -hmm. I can't do this at all that's not true maybe we need to go from 70 miles a week to 45 miles a week. It's not an all or nothing proposition. It's just getting your body back to that point where it feels like it is okay. It's safe. It's healthy to carry a pregnancy. It's And so I see that a lot. It's an all or nothing, and it really doesn't have to be. You can still be a very active, intense exerciser while attempting to get pregnant, pregnant while pregnant um, yourself, but it doesn't have to be so much.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you touched upon, and we have um, about five or six minutes left to, to talk with you, Amanda. The you've touched upon the running while pregnant, which is seems mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the um, you know medical community, ACOG, for example, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, mm-hmm. right? Um, the right, th- you know, they seem to have said okay, but it seems like that memo hasn't gotten to all the doctors in this A country. A lot of doctors, <laughs>
2: Jeez. right? You know, and. You'll find that we are a little bit of a strange breed there in obstetrics. (laughs) Um, And part of it is, you know, unfortunately, there's a very scary liability um, environment in our specialty. Um, We also, there's, we care a lot about our patients and their pregnancies, and one you know, one case, one patient where something bad happened, even if it had nothing to do with their exercise or running, really can then color an obstetrician for the future, you know, because you just never want that to happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I do think that sometimes you'll hear this weird advice from physicians that maybe is out of their own um, overprotectedness of mm-hmm. their patients. Mm-hmm. When we step back and look at the data, as you cited ACOG very appropriately, really we encourage women to be as physically active as possible in pregnancy. I see way more complications from inactivity mm-hmm. and the con- the the fallout to use the term again from that <laughs> than I do from women who I say, "Wow, here's a complication because you are." too active mm-hmm. i sure, can't sure. think of a time when i've had that conversation with a patient whereas every day i have conversations with patients about you know what you need to get out and do more mm-hmm. either walk mm-hmm. or whatever
1: yeah well that's and one thing i guess um i mean and this is what i this is dimity and it, what guided me is i didn't run through either of my pregnancy it just didn't mm-hmm. feel right like i just felt like mm-hmm. it was just a big mass in my stomach and i just mm-hmm. hurt and i didn't want to and um and like we had someone on our Facebook page the other day saying, you know, I really need to get motivated and I'm not, you know, I'm not sleeping and I'm like 11 weeks pregnant and I really need to get running. And I wrote back and I said, you don't have to run. I mean, Dina Castor didn't run through her pregnancy, you know, right. it just came in fourth in the Olympic trials, you know, I mean, or fifth, I guess. But, um, but I mean, so I, I, guess, I guess, you know, maybe, you know, some words from you that say, you know, you can run, obviously, if it feels good, go for it, but it, you know, you sure. can stay active in other ways. Right.
2: Right. You know, a woman's body is an amazing thing. Listen to what it tells you. If you are feeling like, you know, you're a a runner, even if you're not a runner and you're pregnant, you decide, you know what, I want to do something to make this pregnancy healthy. If it feels okay, go for it. Okay, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel okay, or you don't feel like getting up and going out there, there might be a reason for that. Listen to your body. Some good rules of thumb um, in pregnancy are if you are a really active runner or intense exerciser, you can continue to do that at your regular level and pace, but do the talk test. If you can talk while you're, you're running your 10 miles and carry on a conversation like you normally would, continue to do that. When you get to the point where, okay, I can usually run 10 miles, but now I can't talk, I'm exerting, it's time to back off a little bit. Um, if you're having pain, back off. Listen to your body. Um, for most women, by about 28 to 30 weeks, there's enough relaxation of the pelvis Um, uh, ligaments, the pubic symphysis, your belly's getting big enough that you know what, at that point, most women, your body's telling you to back off. But earlier than that, it really is kind of wide open. But um, Dimity, you're exactly correct. You didn't feel like doing anything. So don't, it's okay, do something different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I
1: walked and hiked, but I just, I just feel like, you know, so many people are like, oh, I work so hard to be a runner. And, And the thing is, when well, we got when we're gonna to have to um, wrap this up soon, but I so I want I want to finish for sure because when is it safe for most women who have had, you know, a regular birth and and, and very few complications? I mean, when 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 do you normally encourage them to get running again, or when do you think um, it's okay?
2: Physiologically, by six weeks, the body cardiovascularly is back to where it was pre-pregnancy but many women who have an uncomplicated vaginal delivery by three weeks i think it's reasonable to get started because before that again we talk about the fallout things are just still pretty loose down below and it may be uncomfortable to run you're not going to hurt anything but it may be still uncomfortable at that point certainly by six weeks i say go for it ramp right back up again
1: mm-hmm. okay and that's what i mean so so you're not out. So I, I mean, I was back out there after six weeks and
0: it's a mm-hmm. long road back, no matter what, whether you're no pregnancy
1: it. or not, it's still a long road
2: back. No mm-hmm. doubt about it.
0: Right. Well, great. Well, Amanda, you were fantastic. I'm already thinking we're going to have to have you back for, to talk about maybe a whole bunch more postpartum questions, but thank you so much. Yeah, sure. yeah.
2: I'd be happy to. And, and thank you so much for, um, and you can edit this out, feel free. Um, but thank you so much for re-motivating my running i was a big runner a long time ago weren't we all we all have that story and i um wanted to get back into it and found your book somehow a few months ago and i feel like i'm a new woman so it's um my pleasure to be able to um help you out and uh to be able to follow along with you guys and i'm actively looking forward to the new book thank you so much amanda thanks you're so great much.
1: have a great rest of your day you're great amanda all right. thanks bye-bye. so much
0: bye-bye oh she was awesome
1: she was so great. I, like, I just, I, I love to go, I'd love to meet her in person one day.
0: Yeah. Ex- yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. And I mean, definitely, I say we have her on for a part two down the road. And absolutely.
1: Um, Cause we need to talk about C-sections and yeah, a bunch breast- of other things. Yeah. Right? Breastfeeding
0: and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thanks for joining us for another episode of an, another mother runner. We hope to see you on Facebook at run like a mother, the book on our website anothermotherrunner.com on twitter at sbs on the run and at dimity on the run and i'd say the final comment is anyone who wants to send daisy razors that would be at dimity mcdowell at
1: care of another mother runner <laughs> right taking <laughs> donations all day long <laughs>